If you have a Bible with you this morning, you can turn to Exodus 12. We are working through the book of Exodus and uh, looking at how, uh, through the book of Exodus, God is showing us how he is real, how he is sovereign, how um, he is faithful to his people. And uh, last week we began looking at how um, God sent Moses to tell Pharaoh to let his people go out of Egypt and Pharaoh just, uh, there was began, began the showdown between God and Pharaoh and Pharaoh just kept fighting and fighting and against the, the power of God as God, um, we, we began to look at, at the beginning of the plagues and we're going to kind of skip over the plagues here, but, uh, but God continually demonstrates his power over Pharaoh over the Egyptians, over the gods of the Egyptians. He, he, he kind of displays his judgment over them all. And, uh, and, and as, he, as he uses creation, as he uses all sorts of things to, to plague the Egyptians, um, and he, uses, he turns the, the Nile to blood, and he, brings, he fills the land with frogs and gnats and flies and, and kills cattle and um, brings you know, boils about on people's skin and, and rains down hail, and, uh, and locusts and, and darkness. And finally, we get to chapter 11 and God finally um, warns Pharaoh that he's going to bring one more plague and then Pharaoh is going to let the people go. He's going to bring one more plague and that plague is going to be that, that he's going he's to come himself to Egypt and the firstborn in every household is going to die. And at that point, Pharaoh will have no choice but to not only let the people go, but to say, get out get out. And so now we're going to look at chapter 12 this morning. If, as I said, if you have a Bible, you can turn to Exodus 12. Um, if you don't have a Bible, it's printed in your order of worship. And in Exodus 12, in the midst of this, of this proclamation by God that he's going to visit one more plague upon the people, upon the Egyptians, um, he gives the Israelites some specific instructions to, to, to be safe in the midst of this plague. And, and, and in the midst of it, he, he gives them instructions to, to commemorate what he does here, to help them remember what he is about to do, um, to help them look back when they're in the future, look back and, and remind themselves of what God has done for them. And he institutes the Passover. That's what we're going to look at this morning. So listen to God's word as I read from Exodus 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons. According to what each can eat, you shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month, when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall shall kill their lambs at twilight. Then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roasted on the fire, with unleavened bread and bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water, but roasted its head with its legs and its inner parts, and you shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. In this manner you shall eat it, with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. 
For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be for you a memorial day, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall, you shall keep it as a feast. Let's pray together. Father, we pray that you would speak that you would speak to us through your word right now that uh, your spirit would would be working mightily in our hearts and our minds to help us receive what you want to tell us. Father, we pray that you would comfort us. We pray that you would convict us. We pray that you would change us. We pray all this in Jesus name. Amen. I've uh, always been pretty good at remembering things. It, it helped me a lot when I was a student, when I was in school. It helped me get good grades because I can memorize things pretty easily. It also helps me when we change internet providers and uh, I need to memorize a new password for the Wi-Fi in the house. You know, like this 18-digit password. People will come over and they'll be like, what's your password? And I'll just rattle off this 18-digit password of you know, letters and numbers and symbols and stuff. And they'll be like, you know, you can change that to something a little more memorable. And I can't pass up the opportunity to kind of show off and you know, feel good about myself because I can memorize 18 digits. So, uh, so I, I can memorize things. I can remember things pretty well. But, but, there, but there are some things that I memorize easily. Other things I have a hard time remembering, though. Um, you know, just if I go downstairs in the basement to get something, I often will forget what I've gone down there to get. Has that ever happened to you? Um, I just uh, the other, uh, a few weeks ago, um, I, I got in the car and I drove to pick up our, our little kids from daycare. And it wasn't until I actually got there and got out of my car and was walking in the door that I realized somebody else had picked them up and I didn't have need to pick them up that day. And I'm just glad that I didn't actually walk into their class and like <laughs> say, I'm, I'm here. And the teachers are like, what are you doing here? You know, I, I, I forget some things. There, um, one thing that I'm continually... Uh, shamed by, and I've mentioned this before, I know to several of you, I don't know if I've said it in a sermon before, but when I, when I was in eighth grade and I made the varsity basketball team, uh, in, uh, and I was living in England, it was a small school, so I was on the varsity basketball team, uh, and uh, our first away game, you know, we all dressed up, we're in our dress shoes and pants and shirts and tie, and, and we're in the bus on the way to the game, and I realized I forgot my sneakers, my basketball sneakers. I was like, oh, it was like the worst feeling in the world. Like, you can't play basketball in dress shoes, you know? So it's th there's some things I can remember well, other things I have a hard time remembering. I, I suspect that that's probably true of you as well. Um, I think God knows this about us. God knows this about us, that, that he knows that, that we might be good at remembering some things. In fact, we're, we're actually, uh, we, we, we can tend to forget maybe the most important things. We can tend to forget the most important things, the things that he has done for us. He knows this about the Israelites. He's about to do something huge for them. He's about to do something life-altering for them as he pulls them out of Egypt, out of slavery, as he rescues them, as he gives them freedom. He's about to do something that, that radically changes their lives and their nation forever. And he knows that if he doesn't encourage them to remember what he has done, they're going to forget. And, and if they don't forget, then for sure their kids are going to forget. They're not going to remember what he has done 
for them. And so one of the things that he does here at the very end, the last verse that I read, if you continue reading in in chapter 12, he, he gives more kind of details about it. But verse 14, he says, this shall be a memorial day. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. He institutes this festival, the, festival, the, the feast of unleavened bread that, that, that the Israelites are to, to celebrate for a whole week, and, and he institutes the Passover, this, uh, this feast that the Israelites are supposed to continually repeat over and over again every year. And, uh, and he also um, says, you know, we're going to actually change your calendar. Your calendar is going to be different now. Your calendar is going to start with this month. And he does all these things to to help them in the future remember what he has done for them. So what is it that he has done? What what is it that he wants to remind them of with these feasts, with these festivals, with Passover? Well, the first thing he he wants to remind them of is that God has given them a new beginning. He's given them a new beginning. The first thing that he does is in verse 2, he says, This month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. He's, he's like, I'm changing the calendar. We're starting today. This is the first month of the rest of the year. This is the first month of the rest of your life. It's kind of saying, you know, today is the first day of the rest of your life. It's a new beginning. We're, we're, you're, 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 you're entering into a, a whole new way of life. Your life is going to change. He's, you know, if you've, you ever use an Etch-a-Sketch, he's like shooken up the Etch-a-Sketch and now it's just a blank slate for them to write something new. He's opened up a new Word document it's a completely blank, pa- blank page for them. He says, something new is beginning now. Something new is beginning this month with what I'm about to do. That is what God does for his people in Israel. He says, you need to forget, you need to let go of, you need to, to, to stop letting the past define who you are and you need to let me define who you are now. I'm going to change who you are. You need to forget about your past misery your past pain, you, even you need to, to let go of and leave the, the, this life that, that, you know, in a lot of ways is awful, but you probably are very comfortable with and attached to in some ways. I'm going to change things for you. So he gives new beginnings. He also gives safe shelter. Okay, he's warned Pharaoh that he's going to go out among the Egyptians, and, and many of children are going to die. The firstborn of every household is going to die. Now, up until now, God has been doing these miraculous plagues using creation, you know, he uses the animals, frogs, he uses bugs, locusts, he uses the weather, hail, um, and darkness, and things like that. But, but now he's doing something different. Now he says, I am going to come and go out. My presence is going to be experienced and felt in Egypt. And that is something that is altogether different from what you've experienced so far. Um, and this is the thing, up until now, the Israelites have been living there, you know, right by the Egyptians. And, um, and they've been, you know, experiencing some of the plagues, others of the plagues. God has kind of separated, the out, separate, separated out the Israelites and he's kept them safe. But, but now something much more awesome, such a, something much more fearful is happening that the Israelites need to worry about. See, up until now, the Israelites have just had to, had to be fearful and, and worried about Pharaoh and the Egyptians and how they might treat them. But now when God comes, they actually have to worry about him (laughs) because no one can stand in God's presence and leave unscathed. God is absolutely holy. God is absolutely perfect. And when he comes, when his presence is experienced, then yes, the Egyptians aren't safe from his judgment, but neither are the Israelites. 
They need protection. They are not safe. It is dangerous for them. And so God gives them instructions. This is what you do. You need to do if you want to be safe when I come. This is what you need to do if you want to be safe. You need to take a lamb, a, an unblemished lamb, a perfect lamb. And this lamb is going to basically act as a substitute for you. This lamb is going to die so no one in your house has to die. He says in, uh, in verse 3, he says, take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. That lamb is going to be a substitute for the household. The lamb is going to experience death so the household does not have to. And it's got to be perfect. And, then and he tells them to, to kill the lamb and then to take the blood, to, to drain the blood from the lamb and, and to take the blood and, and put it on the doorposts of the door and on the lintel of the door, above the door. And he says, this is is what will protect you. This is what will keep you safe. If, the, if, you, if you kill this lamb and put, it, and put the blood on the doorway, that is a sign for you that you will be safe. He says it's a, it's a sign for you. That's an interesting thing in verse 13. He says the blood shall be a sign for you. It's not a sign for God. See, God knows who is who. But actually, I think putting the blood on the doorway is, is an opportunity for them to express their faith in God, their trust in God that he is going to keep them safe. So far, God has shown that he can keep the Israelites safe in the midst of all the plagues. But this is an, an actual an act that they need to do to say, I, I trust you, God, that you're going you're gonna to spare me, that you're going to keep me safe. And so he encourages them to kind of take ownership of their faith and to trust him. And, and also, it's interesting, as, as uh, one thing that, that kind of, he wants them to, to not only believe that they're going to be safe, but, but actually live like they're going to be safe, that they have a safe shelter. What does he tell them to do after they've put the blood on the door? He tells them to, to make a meal, to have a feast, so that when he visits and there's all this chaos around them, when, when all of these other households in Egypt are experiencing death, that they are safe in their houses and they are feasting. They're eating together. It's kind of a symbol, an expression of the fact that I know I'm safe. I know I'm okay. Because I can, I can sit here in my home and eat with my family while there's chaos all around. God gives them a safe shelter. And then lastly, God gives them a future of freedom. He gives them a future of freedom. He makes a big point about preparing this meal in a certain way and eating this meal in a certain way, right? He, he tells them to, to prepare it, roast it on the fire. They, they tells them to to roast the lamb on the fire instead of using a, a pot or something like that. That, that. That's basically the quickest way to prepare a lamb without having to have any, any cleanup afterwards. So he, and, he, and he tells them to use bitter herbs, which are easily prepared. And, and he tells them to use unleavened bread, which you don't have to wait for to rise. It's all stuff that they need to you know, make quickly. It's a meal that they can make fast. That's what he's trying to get them to think of. And then t what does he, how does he tell them to eat it? In verse 11, he says, In this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. Why does he tell them to, to make a meal that you can eat, make quickly and to eat it in a way that you're like on your way out the door? Have you, have you guys ever you know, been late for something and you're like dressed and everything and you're like, I need to eat something so you just grab a granola bar or something on the way out the door? And that's what God's telling them to do. You need to, you need to eat this meal in such a way as you, are, you're, you believe that you're about to walk out, that you're about to go. And, and so what God is saying, you know, he's encouraging them to, to realize they've been in Egypt all of these years, slaves. But after this night, 
you are going to be walking out that door and leaving Egypt. You are going. You are going to be free. And, and for them to eat, prepare the meal this way and to eat it this way, you know, with their sandals on and their staff in their hand, again, he's inviting them not to just believe that God, God's going to do this, but, but that, that they, they, they act like this is going to happen. It must have been hard for them, right? It must have been hard for them. Even after they've seen God do all of these, these miraculous things, these plagues, one after the other, and yet every single time, Pharaoh says, no, they're not going anywhere. And even sometimes it looked like he's like, okay, I'm going to let you go. And he's like, no, not going to do it. And so it must have been hard for them to believe, come on, he's not really going to let us go now, even after this. But God says, no, you need to to get ready to go because tonight is the night. You are going to leave. You're going to be set free. You have a future of freedom. No longer slaves. No longer bound by the chains of the Egyptians and of Pharaoh. And so God tells them to observe this feast forever to continue having a feast using unleavened bread and then to, to sacrifice the lamb and eat it, to celebrate the Passover, to remind them of what God had given them, that he'd given them a new beginning, that he'd given them a safe shelter, that he had given them a, a future that is free. This is the defining event for Israel. As you look at the Old Testament, they're constantly, throughout the Old Testament, the prophets and people are constantly referring back to the Exodus, to the time when God rescued his people from Egypt. This is the defining moment for the people of Israel, Israel, that these are the people that God has rescued and set free and made his own. This is the defining event for Israel. And they're given this, this, this feast, the Passover, to continually do this, to remind themselves of what God has done to define who they are. And then Jesus comes, right? And then Jesus comes. And, and if you remember, we, that's why we had, had, had us read this passage from Luke, Luke 22, early in the service. The night before Jesus was crucified, the night before Jesus died on the cross, what did he do? He celebrated the Passover. He celebrated this feast with his disciples. In fact, in Israel, this, this was the time of the Feast of Unleavened Bread and of Passover. And so Jesus celebrates the Passover with them and he says some radical things as he celebrates that with them. As he leads them in reminding them of what God has done. He says, first of all, he, he points to the fact that, that he's not going to eat this meal until it is, the, the Passover until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. He's, 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 he's pointing them to the fact that the Passover isn't about just reminding them of something that happened long ago. It's about something that is happening now that he is about to accomplish. It's about the present and the future. And then he, he takes the, the elements of the, the, the food, the wine, the bread, and what does he say about them? He says, this is my body. This is my blood that is poured out for you. As we think about the Passover and the, this feast, Jesus is saying, it's, it's actually all about me. It's about me. And if you're not thinking about it, maybe you, you, you don't notice, but, but there's one menu item that's, that's kind of missing when Jesus celebrates the Passover with his disciples. You notice what the menu item is? Where's the lamb? Where's the lamb? I think Jesus is, is kind of trying to encourage us to see that he is the lamb. He is the lamb. He is the lamb that, that has to be sacrificed to give his disciples and to give you and me safety. 
give us a safe shelter from the judgment of God. To, to set us free from our sin. To make us new people. Jesus is the perfect lamb. That when he goes to the cross that next day and dies on the cross and sheds his blood, that is exactly what happens. For those who, who trust in him and receive him and rest upon who he is and what he has done, then we are set free and made safe, given security, and made new. But the problem is, is that we tend to forget these things as we live our lives. We tend to forget these things, even if we have come to the place, even when you know, we come to church and we say we believe that Jesus died for me. We tend to forget that he has made a way for me to be safe. And we tend to, to have so many fears in our lives. We, we, have, we, we fear all sorts of things. We fear not having enough. We fear what other people might say about us. We, we fear being alone. We fear things going wrong. Um, we fear losing things or people that are close to us. Um, we, we have so many fears. But really, there's, there's one great legitimate fear that is common to every single person that, that we, we don't really even pay attention to. And, and, and the greatest fear we should have is God's judgment for our sin. That we haven't lived up to what he calls us to live, to the way he calls us to live. We've all fallen short of his desires for us and we deserve his judgment. And yet through Christ, he has made a way for us to be safe. To, to know that we just talked in yesterday's men's Bible study in Romans 8, that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We do not need to fear the judgment of God anymore. And if, if we don't have to fear the judgment of God, if we, if we don't have to fear God, then nothing else should cause us to fear either. All those other things that I was talking about are, are small compared to how big God is. And if we don't have to fear him, then we don't have to fear anything. We are safe. We are secure. And he says, you know, I, I didn't just send Jesus to, to, to make you safe. I sent Jesus so that you would live as though you were safe. You know, like he tells the people to, to, while all the chaos is going around them, he tells them to sit securely in their homes and feast and enjoy the feast and rejoice in the fact that they are safe. That's how he wants us to live, to live with joy that he loves me and that, that I am absolutely secure in his love. What else can possibly threaten me if God is with me and on my side and he loves me? And yet we tend to forget it. We tend to forget it. We forget that we're safe. We forget to, to take hold of the joy that he wants to give us, the security and the confidence that he wants us to live with. We also tend to forget that that he's given us a future of freedom, that he's set us free. We, we live our lives in chains, so many of us. We live our lives tied up by the judgments of other people, tied up by our own disappointments about ourselves, bound by our shame and our guilt, thinking that we are powerless to escape the bad decisions that we continue to make. All of these things 
our, we, we feel like our, our chains upon us, and yet Jesus came, and, and, and what God's word says is that if you believe in Christ, if you are resting in him, then he has set you free from your sin. He has set you free from your guilt. He has set you free from your shame. He has set you free. You no longer have to live um, letting your sin, letting your brokenness of your life define who you are. He has set you free. And lastly, he, he, has, he has given us a new beginning. Those of us who've, who've come to know Jesus and, and believe in him, he says, you are a new creation. You are new. Your life is different. Your life is to be different. You are no longer the same person you used to be. And yet, again, we tend to forget that, and we tend to kind of, as, as, you know, as, as bad or as unhealthy as our lives might be, we tend to hold on to them in some ways. We tend to hold on to them because that's what's familiar to us. You know, we hold on to the same kind of bad habits we have of interacting with people, the destructive ways that we live, the, the destructive, like the things, that, the habits we have that are not healthy for ourselves, the ways that we look at life that is not healthy for, our, for us. We, we tend to kind of hold on to that stuff and continue living that way because it's familiar, because we're used to it. And, and, and we forget that, that Jesus has rescued us to make us new that there's a clean break now, that, that he has given us a, a clean slate to, to start writing a new story with our lives, that, that he, he has, has brought about a new beginning that, that in order to make us new people, that as you live in relationship with Jesus, you should be, coming, you should be becoming a different person. There, you should be experiencing change in your life, every day of your life. This is the first day of the rest of your life. He's made you a new person. And so we need to embrace that. We need to say, God, how do you want me to change? What do you, how, how do you want me to start living differently today? How do you want me to start using my time maybe differently than I have in the past? How do you want me to kind of look at life differently than I have in the past? How do you want me, as, as a parent, how do you want me to kind of like start caring for and loving my kids and raising them differently than I have in the past? or approaching my work and, and, and my, the people that I work with? How do you want me to, 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 to love them and interact with them differently than I have in the past? God has made us new. He wants to bring about change. And that's good news. That's good news. He, he wants us to embrace the new life that he has brought about for us. So this is why, this is really all just a long introduction to what we're going to do today the Lord's Supper, communion. This is why we continue to observe the feast. This is, you know, communion, what, what it is, it's, it's a fulfillment of the festival of Passover. What we do here is, again, it's, it's reminding us of what God has done in the perfect lamb that is Jesus Christ. To, to make us new, to give us a new beginning. That we might let go of what is old of who we were. To, to, to remind us that we are absolutely safe. We can live our lives with absolute confidence no matter what kind of chaos is going on around in our lives, in our families, in our workplaces, that we have a place that is safe and that is in, in our relationship with Jesus. And that is a place where we can feast with him 
where we can eat with him and experience real joy, where, where we are set free from all of the things that, that tend to, to hold on to us and, and try to, try to uh, chain us and keep us from living as he calls us to. Here at the, at the Lord's Supper, God says, don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't let your life be ruled by fear, by slavery to the things or, 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 or your expectations or your doubts or, or the people around you. Don't forget that you've been made new, that you have a new beginning, a clean page to write a story on, a story that's compelling, that reflects the powerful presence of God. You need to leave our old lives behind and say, God, how do you want me to live differently today? That's what this table reminds us of. So as we come to the table, let's, let's think about those things. Let's, let's rest in what Christ has done for us. And let's rejoice. Let's rejoice. Let's take joy in the fact that we are free. And let's start living like it. Let's start living as though we are free because we are. Let's pray together. Father, we, we thank you for your amazing grace. We thank you that you have given us your son, a spotless lamb, And you have sacrificed him for us. You've sacrificed him for us so that we, um, so that we wouldn't just know the fact that we have been given safety and forgiveness, but that we would start living that way, that we would remember it every day of our lives. Help us not to forget what you have done for us. Help us to not to forget your amazing grace. Help us not to forget that our chains are gone. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and sing.